0: So welcome back to the Policy Wonk Podcast. I'm Kale. Joe can't be here today, but we are here with special guest, State Representative Brian Stewart, who represents Madison, Pickaway, and a very small portion of Franklin County.
1: Thanks for having me, Cale.
0: No problem. So right off the bat, I want to start off with letting you briefly explain the Republican side of HJR1, SJR2, and issue one, because we talk about the liberal side of the argument quite often on the show. So we want to let you talk about the conservative side.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, you know, this is a debate we've been having in the state for for over 100 years. I mean, there's always been a question of to what degree uh, the Ohio Constitution should be subject to amendment, what should be in it, what should not be in it, how it should be amended, how it should not be amended. Uh, and there was always kind of a question of, you know, should outside special interest groups be able to, um, in my view, buy their way onto the statewide ballot to attempt to enact policies that, you know, probably couldn't make it through the legislature. And so, uh, you know, we've had 27 amendments to the federal constitution. We've had 172 amendments to Ohio's constitution. It's sort of become a, a, uh, a making document. You know, you've got livestock care standards in there. You have soda pop taxes, you have casino parcel numbers, you have, you know, you have, uh, you know, bond issues. I mean, there's a whole host of things that, um, you know, frankly, I think should be subject to the normal give and take of the legislative process. And, you know, the other thing, Cale, is if we get something wrong in the law, we can change it. We can change it tomorrow. Uh, if we get something wrong in the Constitution, it's generally been there with us to stay.
0: So I'm happy that you brought up the, the influence mm-hmm. and things like that. So when we talk to State Representative Dan Troy, who, Democrat from the Lake County area, um when we talked to him about it, he talked about how it's important that we don't legislate through the Constitution, but he did talk about how this is not the way to prevent legislating through the constitution um, and, and we also talked about how there is out of state influence on the vote yes campaign um Illinois billionaire richard Eulin um so do you do you think that he will continue to fund the campaign and and what is like the General argument explaining why he's allowed to fund this campaign when outside influence on a liberal perspective is bad.
1: Well, I mean, I, <laughs> he's certainly never spoken to me. I've I've never met the man. I mean, I and I think this is frankly uh an example of of what we. I, I'm trying to avoid this on all sides, right? I mean, why are folks allowed to do it? Because the Ohio, the United States Supreme Court in Citizens United said that they could. Right. I mean, there is a um, and, and generally I, I'm not I'm not hostile to that. Uh, I don't think we really can, you know, completely prevent, you know, individuals and, you know, uh, you know, other groups from folks banding together to spend their money as they would see fit to try to influence public policy. I mean, even if I didn't like that, uh, it's a matter of law that they can do it. Right. So there's really no way to, you know, kind of meaningfully restrict what people do and don't spend their money on, which then, you know, leads to this issue, which is, you know, uh, outside groups can continue to spend money. Uh, Individuals can continue to, to spend money. Uh, But at a 60% threshold, it's harder to do. Right. And it requires that um, their ideas would have broader support in order to be, uh, to be enacted. So, um, you know, I, I get it that, you know, you, you know the, the the left wants to focus on you know one individual billionaire from Illinois. Um, you know, obviously, I've talked about you know uh, multiple uh, millionaires and billionaires from all over the country. Um, my view is that neither side should be able to essentially buy what they want, and I think that that's gotten lost a little bit in some of this debate for some people. But you know, this doesn't just apply, Kale, to to liberal constitutional amendments. Um, There have been, uh, you know, right wing initiated constitutional amendments uh, as well. And I'll be consistent and say that, you know, I think a lot of them probably didn't belong in the Constitution, even though they're public policy ideas that I might have, you know, supported at the time or or may still do.
0: So we're going to we're going to backtrack a little bit because you did talk about how it's not just liberal things being put on the ballot and things like that. So recently. Secretary of State Frank LaRose has gotten a little bit of uh, pushback because he did mention that this is about the abortion petition and a proposed abortion amendment to the the Ohio Constitution, rather. So is the abortion ballot issue the main driver for you and the uh, caucus? Well,
1: it's not for me. I can't speak for every member of the caucus. I mean, I think for some people it may be. Uh, For me, I have the same view that, you know the dissenters did in nineteen twelve when we created the uh, you know outside uh, initiative method for amending the Constitution. I have the same view that, frankly, um you know, multiple Democrat legislators had a few years ago when they were on the Ohio Constitutional Modernization Commission subcommittee that recommended that we go to a quote at least fifty five percent threshold. I have the same view um that I would assume thirty two other states uh, in America have uh where they don't allow outside special interest groups to propose amendments uh New York, Maryland, Connecticut, Vermont, Joe Biden's Delaware, you know these are all blue states that do not allow uh initiative petition constitutional amendments so you know I share the view of those folks uh this is about a whole host of issues not any one issue Um, that's not to, to sidestep anything. I mean, I'm certainly pro-life and if, you know, I'm going to vote no on this, uh, abortion measure in November. Um, but issue one is bigger than that. And, uh, you know, when I introduced this back in November of 2022, uh, there was no abortion amendment. And so, you know, you know, timing questions. I think are, are 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 a bit of a of a distraction. If it's good policy, uh, we should do it. If it's bad policy, we shouldn't. And uh, you know, you got to put your oars in the water at some point. So
0: let's let's talk on on something to compromise on. So what would be say instead of restricting and saying sixty percent and kind of targeting what a lot of people are saying is direct democracy in ohio what 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 would be other ways that the republican caucus and the democratic caucus at the state house could work together to restrict the out-of-state
2: influence that you're talking about well i mean
1: kale i don't know i mean i've worked on this issue this is what i've spent my time on um you know we've been doing this for for seven months Um, and we haven't really seen any, you know, Democrat compromise proposals, so I don't know what those would be. Um, you you know, there are, there are some folks who would kind of act like we can wave a wand and just say, well, we'll just ban people from spending money on elections. That's not legal. Okay. And so I'm trying to do is address, uh, what until 20, you know, until 2022, there was bipartisan agreement that o- that Ohio's constitution was too easy to amend right that there were things getting bankrolled and put in the constitution that we really didn't believe were good policy that i mean that was a bipartisan in large respect belief um that has only really changed because of one issue and I, and i you know that is what it is but um you know we have to kind of play the game on the field that exists and we can't simply wave the wand and say well we'll just ban people from participating in elections i we can't do that i don't want to do that and so the better course to me is let's <coughs> pardon me let's mirror something that americans have lived with since the founding of our country which is a constitution that requires
2: a supermajority for amendment
0: Okay, so a lot of the criticism coming from the left on issue one is about how the 60% and the requirement to get signatures from all 88 counties actually makes it harder for grassroots organizations who don't have the type of money that a well funded out of state interest would have. It makes it harder for those groups to put something on the ballot in that way. So, like, if it takes a lot of time money, and resources to mobilize in all eighty eight counties and that's the type of time money and resources that only well funded special interest groups would have so what is your response to that criticism
1: well i think you you essentially already have that i mean i i, I think this this it's a misnomer to say that there are um there really haven't been many successful um you know, truly, just you know, plucky grassroots-initiated constitutional amendments, um, maybe ever. I mean, the only, frankly, the only one that that might qualify was 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 the Obamacare uh, amendment back in you know twenty ten or twenty twenty twelve, whenever that was. I mean, the reality is, it's already a a, a substantial undertaking. I don't think that uh, requiring signatures from the other half of Ohio is, uh, out of st- is going to make it substantially harder than it already is. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, I, I'm not trying to hide the ball. I've said, I mean, I, I don't believe that initiative petitions are the way that our constitution should be amended. And so, I mean, I understand that there are some people who are concerned that that process may be more difficult. Um, I'm not concerned that it's more difficult. Mm-hmm.
0: So then another another criticism from the left is the groups who support the Vote Yes campaign, there's only a handful of them, there's like six or seven endorsements, but the one in particular is the Ohio Right to Life. Um, they have been campaigning on ignorance because they're saying things that are in this amendment, the abortion amendment, that actually isn't in the abortion amendment, and they're saying things... Just it's almost like they're fear-mongering, trying to get no, people to vote I, I would yes disagree and all. with
1: that. I, I I think that they are reading the amendment correctly and reading it the way that the proponents of it will go to court immediately to try to enforce it, and they're doing a good job reading what the actual legal language would allow for.
0: So you don't think that they're campaigning on ignorance?
1: No, I mean I think I think it's correct that this amendment, if passed, would would make it, if not outright, uh invalidate parental consent laws. It would certainly make them right for legal challenge. I think the reference to including but not limited to is clearly an attempt to uh, you know, sort of backdoor sterilization into this amendment, just like they did in Michigan. Um, you know, I don't I don't think that uh <laughs> you know we're we're reading between the lines, I think as it's intended. And um It's an inconvenient talking point, but it is—I think—it is reality.
0: So, I mean, this is just me now. Um, I would argue that with a conservative court, that reading in between the lines wouldn't necessarily happen. And
2: what is your response to that?
1: Well, (laughs) we we don't pass amendments to the Constitution that we know would allow for something we don't like on the basis that, well, don't worry about it. We'll just have some judges that interpret it the right way for now. That's not how you that's not how you adopt a constitution. You adopt a constitution hopefully to get out a meaning that that all, you know, Supreme Court justices would would arrive at the same that we're leaving that we're leaving less up to interpretation uh than we would otherwise. So, you know, if somebody's willing to concede that, well, yeah, I mean the language would allow for that, but don't worry, you know, your Republican Supreme Court justice won't interpret it that way. Um, you know, we may not have a Supreme, Republican Supreme Court forever. We, you know, I, I hope that these things are not going to the Ohio Supreme Court because we should have constitutional amendments that are clear enough that we don't have to have, uh, you know, litigation over the basic tenets of it.
0: That You know, that was very refreshing to hear. Um there are a lot of people on both sides of the political spectrum who we think that exactly what you just said They're they're writing amendments to things that banking on a court decision. And that's just, that's not how it should work.
1: But I mean, um, unfortunately I mean we pass laws that way sometimes too. And you know, there's only about, I think there's only nine lawyers out of, out of 99 members of the Ohio house now. I mean, and that's just not the way I view things. I mean, we should be passing laws or amendments in a way that, you know, people generally understand what they mean and we're not sort of passing it with an eye towards getting bailed out by the judiciary, you know, one way or another.
0: So uh, obviously, Frank LaRose is is planning on running for office, or at least he's, he's toying with the idea of running for a higher office. Um, and if you're allowed to answer this, um, I would greatly appreciate it. But obviously, you've worked a little with him, just a little bit. Do you think that he has a path to victory
2: with this, with issue one. Wait, do do you think that issue one has a path to victory? No, more.
0: What if let's say issue one passes, do you think that Frank Rose has a path to victory uh, running for Senate? If issue one were to pass.
1: I think all three of our candidates for United States Senate have a
2: path to victory, whether issue one passes or not. Do you
0: have a a preferred candidate in mind? Nope. Good answer. <laughs> um,
1: but not in, not in June.
0: <laughs> a lot of people should be that way, but it, it does seem like most people have their minds made up already. Mm. But I do think um, you you asked my next question. Do you think that issue one has a path to victory considering the fact that like if you go to the website for the vote no campaign and the vote yes campaign, the vote yes campaign only has a handful of endorsements and the vote no campaign has a laundry list of endorsements?
1: Well, I mean, look, I- I'll try to be kind here, but I mean, y- y- you know, the left doesn't usually have a lot of problem lining up, you know. F- 4000 groups of which the membership is the same for for half of them right i mean i mean let, let, let's be real i mean there are, you know 250 groups and you know 150 of them may have six members okay there's there's uh 12 you know almost 12 million people in ohio um you know the vote yes are pretty large organizations you know these are actual statewide organizations with actual you know statewide membership um there's not very many amendments that have passed or or been defeated based on what you know organizational acronyms were put on a website uh i can tell you that issue one has pulled well consistently every time that uh that it has been asked the general question of whether people believe that a constitutional amendment should be subject to something more than 50 percent one 50 plus one uh that pulls well and it pulls well because we've been living under federal constitution our entire lives That is difficult to amend. And I think people understand that a constitution um, should not be subject to 172 amendments. So, uh, you know, I do believe that we're going to have robust campaigns on each side. We should. I hope we do. Um, Whether that holds is going to depend on, you know, how the pitch is made for and how well the pitch is made uh, against. But I do certainly believe that the basic concept of should. It is 60% a reasonable uh, requirement for permanent amendments to the Ohio constitution. Um I do think that that polls well with Ohioans.
0: So you are actually our you are our very first conservative on the show. Um so congratulations.
1: I'm Blazing but Trails, man. I appreciate it.
0: We've been trying to get a handful of people and uh, Representative Gary Click argued with us on Twitter one time so I don't think he's an option, but um I I'm stepping out of my partisan box here to talk to you and uh, I'm going to ask you to do the same. So what do you think would be the path to victory for the vote? No campaign?
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, I'll say this. I, I mean,
1: we have seen six months worth of arguments from our colleagues on the Democrat side for the duration. Um, you know, I don't agree with those arguments, but I think that they have made the arguments that you can make against this uh, in an able manner. And I don't, you know, let me put, let me let me compliment them by this saying: I, I don't know that you're going to pay a consultant from DC to come in and make a vastly better argument against issue one than you know Ohio's homegrown Democrats have have already made. Uh, the question is whether. You know that is wh- whether that's gonna resonate in you know eighty eight counties
2: instead of just four counties
0: okay that was that was a little uh better of an answer than what I was expecting so thank you for that um but i mean that that kind of wraps up all the questions that I had for you about it. Do you have any final comments on on the on on issue one? Kind of more geared towards bipartisanship.
1: Well, uh well, first of all, you know, thanks again for having me on and and uh, maybe we can do it again sometime. The um I really do think that people should look at this issue beyond just the lens of June of twenty twenty three. Um, you know, your side of the aisle is in a you know, is looking at a state that has trended Republican, has you know uh you know elected Donald Trump by wide margins two cycles in a row um and you know just elected statewide republicans by 20 plus point margins up and down the ballot okay um if republicans decided that you know our focus was going to be on you know locking things into the constitution forever um i don't think that's a good i don't think that's good policy for us i also don't think it's a good policy for for the Democrats. And so, you know, you don't have to think very hard or Google very deep to see where both sides have some ideas that they would maybe like to get in the Constitution that don't have a lot of wide support, but that could maybe get there. And so I, I, I you know, it, it's a bit of a tall order, potentially, for for the summer of 2023. Um but i really do genuinely believe that whether you know whether it's labor related amendments whether it is um you know healthcare related amendments whether it is you know there's a whole host of things that democrats would probably not like to see in the constitution and a 60% threshold uh would make it harder for those ideas as well and i hope that you know that that reality can occupy you know some percentage of people's you know, mental bandwidth as they're considering how they're going to vote on this issue.
2: Perfect. I mean, that's all I had. Um,
0: any questions for me?
1: <laughs> I'm not. I, look, I'm a, I'm a fellow. Uh, I enjoy the podcast format and uh, listen to a couple episodes of the show. I think you guys do a good job. Appreciate you reaching out. And um, maybe this can be, uh, maybe this can be uh, the, the start of a more good conversation to come.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. Um, hope to have you on again.
1: All right. Thanks, Gail. Talk to you.
0: Have a good one.